You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 132 with Julie Lamb. Welcome to The Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys, I am super excited to have Julie on the show today. So if you remember episode 124 with Annie Dickerson, Julie and Annie are business partners with Good Egg Investment. And my mind was so blown with Annie uh, talking about real estate investing and passive real estate investing that I thought it'd be really fun to have Julie come on and just share her thoughts and what her perspective is. And it just is all mind blowing. And so I wanted them to come on because I feel like if you are not around people that are doing different stuff, especially when it comes to wealth building, and especially for all of us moms, that if this was not the field that you went to school for and you're not around these kind of people, it's very easy to not have any idea about all of this and what's going on. And so I wanted her to come on just to talk to us about different opportunities that we may not even realize. And some of them are how to save for college and her thoughts on college saving plans and why she doesn't really like them and what she's doing and also how she's teaching her kids about investing. So this episode is just really mind opening for me and I hope it is for you too. And I hope it inspires you to just really start thinking outside of the box. So before we jump into the show, I wanted to share something with you guys. As you know, the show is all about inspiring one another. And most of the time I have other moms coming on to do just that. But I wanted to take a minute to share with you guys what I've been up to, and I hope it inspires you to live your best life. So I know many of you want to be healthy moms, and that can look different for everyone. But if you've been struggling with getting that extra weight off, if it be 50 pounds or the last stubborn 10 pounds, I wanted to share with you the program I have incorporated into my life personally and am so thankful for. So it's a seven-week online weight loss program called Lean. If you missed the series I did with Amanda, you can check it out at episode 112 to hear more details. But this program has brought so much joy to me in many ways, but one of them is that I have fallen in love with working out again. And with that, I have gained so much more confidence. You guys, confidence that I didn't even realize I had lost. So just to feel strong again, it makes me feel so good. And don't get me wrong, I still have a way to go. This for sure is a process and not a quick fix. But if you're sitting there thinking, this is what I'm missing in my life, then I want you to feel the same way. So I couldn't just keep it to myself. And even better, Amanda has given Mom Inspired Show listeners $20 off. And you cannot get this anywhere else. So all you have to do is go to mominspiredshow.com forward slash lean 20 to find the next rounds. A lot of times she has one to three rounds that are coming up that you can jump on and grab a spot. And also, if you have any questions, feel free to message me on Facebook or on Instagram, or you can email me at any time. Let's go to the show. Hey, Julie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Amber. I'm excited to be here. So I like to start off every show with an icebreaker about travel. I am a travel agent, so I just like asking my guests what their favorite vacation spot is and why. And this can be with or without kids. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I would have to say that it's Hawaii. Um, I'm originally from Honolulu. And so, you know, Hawaii has kind of a special place in my heart. Um, I grew up in California, but I was born in Honolulu. And Mm. so, you know, every time I go back to the island, Hawaii, Oahu, 
I, you know, sort of relive my childhood and, you know, visit some of the places that I used to go. And I take my kids there now, too. Um, we went there last summer and we'll be going again this summer. And it's, you know, a beautiful place to be with uh, nice weather and some sun. So, yeah. Yeah. Especially being in California, it's a lot easier of a trip to just head on over there. <laughs> yeah. And coming over here, it's like, oh, that's a lot longer. I always forget how long it is. And um, but I've been to Hawaii I've been to Hawaii a couple times. Maui was my last um trip, which was a while ago. Um, do you always go to Oahu or do you go to other islands? I only go to Oahu. <laughs> I, I have to admit, yeah, I don't really get to the outer islands. In fact, that's something we were talking about yeah. during the summer, just like taking a a two day, sure. uh, you know, trip to one of the outer islands. Cause mm-hmm. we, I've been to Maui, um, yeah. and I've been to like the big Island, I think, mm-hmm. but, uh, most of my family's on Oahu and I love Waikiki and I like the mall, all Moana that they have there. And it's sort of kind of, you know, you can go shopping, you can go to the beach, but you can also, you know, just relax. So I like having yeah. a little bit of city. <laughs> right. Exactly. Versus like Hawaii where, you know, it's, um, more just chill, not, not as much stuff built up and whatnot. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, let's get started. So I thought it would be fun to have you on the show because um, your business partners with Annie um, from episode 124. If you guys missed that, feel free to check out 124 after this episode. And she really opened up my mind to real estate investing. So I thought it would be great to have you on and give us a different um, perspective and different options. So um, again, if you guys haven't listened to 124, make sure to go do that after this episode. Um, but I thought it would just be fun to hear your thoughts, because she did share a fun story. But um, I'm going to have you introduce yourself first, and then we'll bring that up. So how about you tell us what your name is, uh, where you're from, how many kids you have, and then we'll jump into how you got to where you are today. Sure. Yeah. So my name is Julie Lamb. Um, I live in San Francisco in California with my three children and my husband. And um, yeah, that's, that's what we do. My kids are seven, six, and three. Oh yeah, you got your hands full. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, now is the now is getting a lot easier. Yes, uh, with the youngest you know, being three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you know my older one being seven, and you know she can help out a lot, and you know a lot of the temper tantrum stuff has yes. you know gone away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was much harder. I'd say about three years ago when they were like four, three, and one. That was oh, yeah, really. Hard. Yeah, yeah. That would be a lot. <laughs> yeah. So how about you share with us um, how you got to where you are today and kind of like what you do with Annie and um, where what your company is and all that stuff? Sure. Yeah. So I, um, for the last pretty much 15 years, I've worked in the legal field and I was not an attorney, but I worked on the administrative side within the legal field. And I, you know, wasn't... um, entirely uh, excited, I guess you could say, about the work that I was doing. I really felt like I wanted to have a greater impact um, on those around me. And I feel like I was doing really well at my job and you know things were going great. Uh, but I just didn't feel like, you know, I was really having the impact that I wanted to have. And so uh, in 20, so we got started in real estate in 2009. And then in 2016, we started to look at what other options we may have uh, in terms of uh, where to move that money. We were selling the homes and we were trying to figure out what the next step was. 
And like most people, when you, you know, advance in your career and you have children and you're starting a family, you know, you move out of maybe a starter home and you move into a larger home. And as we were moving through that process, I started to question whether that was the right way to really, quote, build my wealth as we've been taught, right? And traditionally, we were taught that you know, you have to go out and buy your primary home. That's what you do. That's like the first thing you do when you get married is you have to buy a house as your investment. And so when I went out to, you know, we're running the numbers. And like I said, I live in San Francisco. And so, you know, homes are pretty expensive out here. And as we were running the numbers with the lender, you know, we were facing a pretty big mortgage payment. And I remember thinking to myself, this cannot be the way to grow wealth where I need to pay this, me, myself, mm-hmm. right? I need to pay this loan back um, over the next 30 years. Like, you know, oh my goodness. And it just hit me that, you know, this couldn't be the answer. I'm going to work this job for another 30 years. I'm going to pay down this loan for 30 years. And that this was the answer. And so we we backed out. We decided not to do that. And I kept searching, searching. And I finally discovered that real estate investing uh, was more what I wanted to do, but on a more serious level. And I think before we had just purchased a few rentals and we weren't really thinking about real estate investing and how that could you know, help us grow our wealth. And so um, I came across a website called Bigger Pockets. And so if anyone wants to go there and check it out, if you're interested in real estate, it's you know great for newbies and you know more advanced folks as well. But I stumbled upon that website and just fell into this rabbit hole uh, and discovered all of these different strategies for wealth building, essentially. Some of them we'll talk about today. Um, but it was it was opened my eyes. And this was back in 2016. And I read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad and kind of fell into this um, you know, mission of wanting to achieve financial freedom. And so I started investing in single family homes for cash flow out of state. Then I moved into multifamily because I knew that if I wanted to achieve financial freedom, that I was going to have to create multiple streams of income in a short period of time and buying one home by one home was going to take forever. So that's how I moved into buying apartment buildings, which is how I got to where I am today in my company at Good Egg Investments that my business partner, Annie, and I co-founded just about a year ago, actually. Um, And so how that came together was I was buying multifamily apartment buildings as a passive investor. So I was purchasing the buildings together with a number of other investors, but I started out just being a passive where you basically leverage your capital and you get a share of a distribution in return for you know investing into that apartment building. And this was in 2017, uh, end of 2016, sorry. And I started to become very passionate about that opportunity that it afforded me because any other time that I had had significant amount of income coming in direct deposit to my bank account, I had gone off and gone to work for it, right? And so, uh, you know, to have money coming into my bank account uh, for mm. me not having to do any work outside of the due diligence I did up front was very powerful for me as a mother with three young kids working full time and commuting and, you know, so much going on in life. Uh, and so I said, this is what I've been looking for, you know, something where 
I have my money out there working for me so that I don't have to work as hard, right? So that was like this game changer uh, thing for me. And I became really passionate about it. And I started talking with friends and family about the opportunities. And they said, you know, well, the next time you do a deal uh, or the next time you invest in a deal, let me know and I might want to partner with you. Mm. And that's how that was sort of the beginning of how we do what we do now, where that's essentially what we do at Good Egg Investments is we work with, uh, you know, accredited investors, uh, or also known as high net worth investors, um, who have capital that they're looking to leverage, and they want to essentially put it to work for them. Uh, And so that's what we do at at Good Egg Investments. And that was kind of the beginning of that, um, you know, and how I how I moved from where I was to where I am uh, today at my company. Yeah. And so, um, for those of you guys that haven't listened to episode 124, I go into this a lot more in detail with Annie on um, passive real estate investing, just like you were saying with the um, the apartments and stuff like that. Because I think when people think about that, they're, it has to feel so overwhelming if you're not used to that. I mean, um, you're talking about buying single homes and then you're like, and then I went into, you know, um, investing into an apartment. You're like, whoa. And so <laughs> I think people be like, what? I'm like, that's, you're, you're, it's like, you're saying, um, I can't afford my single home in San Francisco, but I'm going to go buy an apartment. So I think that's very intriguing. Um, how you've made that work as well as Annie. And, um, that's why I really wanted, Uh, both of you guys on the show and just really opening our eyes on what opportunities are out there that I just don't think people even realize, you know, because if you're not around people like this, it's very foreign, right? You just don't really know. And um, I didn't really understand it until I really started breaking it down with Annie. Um, But we're going to move a little bit away from that specifically, because that's that's where we really talked about that on that episode. Um, But one story that stood out when um, Annie was talking about her having her um, single home, um, I think they were single home, maybe they were duplexes, I don't know, in um, Alabama, and things were all just going bad. And and then she was referencing you before I even knew who you were, and how you were um, in Hawaii, of course, now, now that I know that you love going to Hawaii, um, and that you're just making money. And uh, she was saying that, you know, your phone was dinging, and, you know, it was <laughs> notifying you that you're making money while you're in Hawaii. And I just thought, wow, that's really cool. And so that's what made her kind of think about things differently. So how about you share that story that uh, Annie was referring to? Sure. Yeah. So I, I, about a year ago, I left my job um, and I decided I was going to do real estate investing full time. And one of the things that I knew I wanted to do um, was travel with my family. I love to travel. My mom used to work for the airlines growing up. And so I traveled a ton at a really young age. And I knew that I wanted to travel with my family, but at the you know ages that my kids are, I can't go very far, right? And in right. Hawaii, I have friends and family and whatnot. So I decided that we would book a one-month trip over the summer while the kids were out of school in Hawaii. And so I did that like shortly after I left my job because I was like, that's it. You know, I, I left my job because I want to travel with my kids. So I'm booking this trip and we're going. Um, and so in July of 2018, we hopped on a plane and we went out to Hawaii and it was so surreal uh, to be there, you know, poolside with my kids. And uh, we were there in July, like I mentioned. And every month, uh, we, so the distributions from our investments come monthly. And so 
the distributions come around the 24th of the month. And so uh, when we were there, I was sitting poolside and I was getting these, um, you know, text message notifications from my bank, letting me know that I had received, uh, you know, direct deposits, uh, you know, a few of them from our investments. And so it was a very surreal feeling uh, to be sitting there thinking, you know, wow, my money is out there working for me and it's paying me every month while I can sit here and enjoy my life and be with my children and spend time with them. And so, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of the story. It's funny. Annie and I always joke because she's, she's a little bit heavier into her investments that she has more on the active side Mm. and I'm more heavy into the passive investments. And so we always joke that, um, you know, she needs to move more into the passive investment side because she, you know, just gets a lot of um, phone calls about things. And it's yeah, not that she, that's uh, annoying. <laughs> yeah, yes. I, yeah, I think she mentioned that on her podcast. She did, but yep. Yeah, um, you know, just the, the mind share, right? Yes. So when you get a call from your property yep. manager who mm-hmm. says, you know, you, you had a tenant who overflowed your, mm-hmm. uh, the sink and now you have to <laughs> file a claim and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Like um, that in and of itself is just such a, it's a pain. Um, (laughs) so, you know, so to have money out there working for you where you don't really need to think about what's happening. And now that doesn't mean, I just want to clarify too, that that doesn't mean that you go into these investments, you know, totally blind and you just hand somebody your money and you don't do any research and you just hand over your money and expect to earn a good return because that's not, you know, how it's going to work. You really, in the beginning need to put in the work, you know, to discover, okay, who am I working with? Who are these people? What are their track records? What markets are they investing in? I mean, you do have to do that legwork up front, but once you've identified those things and the markets and a good operator and a good um, opportunity, then, you know, it's, it's okay after you close the deal because you're just a very, you're a passive partner. So the operators are the ones who manage. They're the ones who get to take the phone calls um, about the overflowing sink. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm curious, Mm -hmm. um, do you know off the top of your head how many investment properties you have that you're doing passively? I'm in about seven. Okay. Mm -hmm. So does that feel good to you? Or do you feel like, "Mm, I really wish I had three more? Or uh, like, where do you feel right now with that? Does that feel at the right place? Or do you feel like an itch of like, I'm ready to add? Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm ready to add. I yeah. it's just a matter of, you know, having enough uh, additional capital mm-hmm. available to then, you know, put into the next opportunity. Um I over the last, you know, gosh, when 2016, so two and a half years, uh I, you know, I've done seven over that time. So yes, I mean That's absolutely awesome. I'd love to have more. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's you gotta it's, have money. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you gotta have money. Yeah. So yeah, that, that little thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm gonna take a little bit of a turn and um we're gonna talk about different things. So first of all, I wanna talk about college funds, you know, especially 529s. And, um, you know, with colleges getting so expensive, I just feel like people really don't know what to do. Or then, you know, the kids are walking away with $100,000 in student loans, which I mean, no one wants to set their kids up to have that burden as they leave college. So um, I really don't know how people are planning on sending their kids to school. So I wanted to talk to you about this because I know you have um, some thoughts on this. So how about you share with us what your plans are for college? And, you know, you have three kids, so you have to really think about that. Um, What is your thoughts with the whole 529 and college savings? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as far as the five to nine, five to nine plan goes, I'm not, you know, a hundred percent sure that that's the best way. I know that a lot of people use it and believe in it and believe in the power of the tax savings and all of that good stuff. Um, but when I had my first child seven years ago, my mom asked me if I wanted to open up a five to nine, uh, you know, and I, I researched and I researched and I, I couldn't, it was one of those things again, where I could not wrap my head around why someone would would want to do this because the actual growth within the plan is is minimal. I mean, mm. we're not talking about, you know, substantial growth in the 529 and yes, it's tax free, but how much tax free um, you know, how much how many taxes can we actually save right. um, you know, within the plan if the growth is very little? So it's kind of misleading because it's like, oh, tax free, tax free. But if you don't dig in and really look to see what the growth looks like within the plan, it's like, well, how much, you know, tax are you really actually saving? So that's one thing that I, you know, doesn't excite me is that the growth within the plan is very little when you actually dig down and look at look at it over a long period of time. And then the second thing really that I don't like about the plan is that, you know, if your child decides, you know, at 18, that they do not want to go to college and that they want to go to, um, you know, maybe they want to start a business. Maybe they want to invest in themselves and get mentored by someone Mm. who's doing what to do. Um, you know, that I sort of see that that's how we're moving, um, in that direction. I feel like the traditional college education is no longer serving people like it used to, right? It's kind of an, we're using an outdated plan for an old story when moving forward. That's not really the world that we live in anymore, right? Um, where people go to college, they come out, they get a job and that kind of thing. More and more people are becoming entrepreneurs, right? You can, yeah. go out there and, you know, have a business, have a storefront on Amazon and people are, you know, creating little businesses and side hustles here and there. And if we're doing that today, what is the future going to look like for your child in 10 or 15 years or 18 years if you don't have kids yet? Um, But what is that going to look like? So when you're investing into a five to nine plan, you get, you know, um, penalized pretty, pretty uh, heavily if you decide that, you know, in 18 years, you don't want to uh, use the funds for college. So those are really like the two things that just turned me off mm. immediately. And I said, this can't be something that is going to really provide growth. So that's when I looked to the deals that we do and the syndications. It's called a syndication where you pull a bunch of money and you buy um, something. It could be apartment buildings is what we do. And I thought, you know, what if I took $25,000 and I put it into an investment and I let that investment roll from one to the next? So most of the deals we do, it's like a five-year hold. Um, can be shorter, can be longer, but the projected is five years. So we'll for our purposes, we'll talk about it that way. And we'll say it's a five year frame. Um, but let's say you invested 25,000 and then in five years they sell the property, but then they do a 1031 exchange, which is when you can, you know, take the proceeds from that sale and invest into a new property without having to pay, uh, any capital gains taxes, right? So you're just effectively rolling and deferring those capital gains until, whenever you decide to sell and take that hit. But let's say in five years, 25,000. So between the cash flow that you earn from the investment and the equity that you would get on the back end, so very similar to when you buy a single family home and you, you know, buy it for half a million, let's say, and you sell it for 750 a few years later, 10 years later, whatnot, that $250,000 spread is what we call equity on the back end. 
And so that $25,000 essentially becomes 50,000 in five years, you essentially double your money. And so then you do that over the next 15 years, you, you know, move in and out of a few deals. And by the time all is said and done, this doesn't include, you know, any taxes you would pay on the capital gains, you would have well over $200,000 in terms of, you know, cash flow and equity and your initial investment, the 25,000 that you started with. And so, you know, if you take that um, strategy and you try to invest $25,000 today into a 529 plan, it's not even going to come close um, to the $200,000 that you could have within these investment opportunities that we do. And so that's one thing, that's one strategy that we're using is investing, uh, you know, allocating a certain amount of our investment for each one of our children in the deals that we've done. Uh, and, you know, with the hopes that we'll just keep rolling and moving on for the next 10 to 15 years. And so that's one thing. But you know, I'm a big believer that you can never have just one strategy, right? Because right. what if strategy doesn't work? Um, and let's say, you know, the deal goes south, or let's say um, they don't 1031 into the next deal, um, you know, and I'm just left with, you know, they stopped after two deals or three deals, and I did never got to that 200,000. So we have another strategy that we are using, um, where we are purchasing single family homes. And so we, we did this and it's not purchasing like an active thing. This is something we did before. As I mentioned, that's where I started. And we purchased, let's say we're going to use round numbers. So let's okay. just say $100,000 and we bought three single family homes. So let's say down payment was roughly about, you know, 30, 30, 35,000 per home. Cash flow from each property is going to be roughly about two to $500 per, per, per month per property mm -hmm. Then we take uh, the, that cash flow from the property and we opened up a whole life insurance policy for our, each of our children. And the policy premium uh, for the whole life insurance policy is paid by the cash flow from the single family home. So it's kind of an evergreen thing. Like I, it's never like, you know, one day we're going to have to come out of pocket to pay that policy. I mean, assuming we hold the single family homes and, you know, we continue to cash flow, nothing you know goes wrong or we don't sell it. Um, but we put the money into a whole life insurance policy, which effectively grows the cash value within the whole life insurance policy. And at 18 years old, the payments will stop to the whole life insurance policy. And at that point, we will have cash value within the whole life insurance policy that will continue to grow uh, from the dividends uh, for the rest of my children's lives until they die. And which then we're leaving, you know, uh, legacy wealth for mm. our grandchildren, right? Yeah. Because this life insurance policy. Um, but in addition to that, because of the cash flow that we built up, uh, they will have access to that if they ever need it at any point. So even right now, we actually use it in a in a very elementary way um, to teach them about money and paying back a loan, right? So they can pull out a loan out of the whole life insurance policy and they can pay it back and pull it out and pay it back, right? And so they can do this for their whole lives. They can use the policy like that. Um, but at 18, the the premiums stop. So we don't pay anymore, but the cash value, like I mentioned, continues to grow. Um, and so that's another strategy that we're using is we're using these whole life insurance policies as sort of like a bucket that they can dip into and pull loan out against if they need to for college or buying a car, or maybe they need braces or whatnot. Um, it's sort of like an alternative banking strategy. So instead of sure. you know, having 
savings account. You mm-hmm. just money on a whole life insurance policy. Um, and then the other way, so as I mentioned, we purchase these single family homes. And so this is the other way that we're saving for college is that in 15 years, uh, you know, when the kids go off to college, there will be, you know, a pretty hefty amount of equity in the homes, assuming a, you know, minimal 3% annual growth, you know, uh, in, in each of the homes, nothing, you know, extravagant and big like San Francisco, where they had, you know, 10% appreciation year over year for the last 10 years, but just talking about a minimum 3% growth, um, and appreciation. Uh, and, you know, obviously you've been paying down the loan with your, uh, rental income. So, you know, that's that's one of the things that I love uh, to think about is if you're going to get yourself into debt, um, make sure that somebody else is paying down that debt and not mm. you, right? So in the single family home, our renter is the one who's paying down that loan, right? right? Not me. I'm not paying that loan. They are. Uh, and so in, you know, 15 years, there's like, you know, we talked earlier about equity. There's a bunch of equity in each of those homes because of the loan pay down, but also, you know, potential appreciation there. So that's really the other way that we're saving because in 15 years, we could potentially do two things. We could either sell the home and they would have money there to use for college or whatever um, they wanted to, uh, or we could do a refinance, you know, assuming that, you know, interest rates weren't crazy and whatnot, we could do potentially a refinance and pull that equity out of the home uh, for each one of them, right? So that's those are kind of like the different things, ways that we're you know trying to save for college uh, mm. without being tied into all of these restrictions and minimal growth. So it's really like, how can I use real estate to help me save for college? And so that's what that's what we're doing. And when you think about you know a hundred thousand dollars is where you started, right, for the purchase of those three homes not a bad return, right? To be able to leave legacy wealth for your grandchildren and your, you know, uh, potentially having equity to tap for uh, college education or whatever it may be, if they wanted to start a business or whatever they needed, they may need the money for. Um, it allows a lot of flexibility. And so, yeah, I know a lot, that's a lot of information. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's one of those things that, um, uh, you know, if someone wanted to learn more, we can definitely talk about sure. that more in detail. One yeah. thing that I wanted to ask you, so there's two parts to this question. So with the whole life um, insurance policy, um, if you didn't do the homes, right, like you're not buying the homes, would you say that you would still think it's a good idea to pay into a whole life insurance policy? Or do you feel like it needs to go hand in hand with getting the homes and then it's all feeding into each other? I feel like it's really brings it full circle when you do it the way that I mentioned, right? You're, let me put it this way. I feel like you're really maximizing the money that you have available, right? Because it's kind of like starts with that $100,000, but then it just continues to grow and grow and grow. And like I said, someone else is actually paying that policy premium for you, right? Because yep. you're taking the cash flow from the property. So it, it's still um, some. I have a policy on myself, and I, you know, pay a premium every month, and I do use it as an alternate, um, you know, banking strategy. But let's say that um, you had a goal to save five hundred dollars a month. Um, just for savings, you know, not right. just to, and I'm sure people do this. I, well, I, <laughs> I, I'm sure there are some people out there who do save um, or try to even, you know, a few hundred dollars a month. So now let's say you didn't have the rental properties, but you knew you could save $200 a month. Why not open up a whole life insurance policy and put that $200 a month into the policy? 
right? You Instead of putting it into your bank and having it sit in a savings account that's going to collect 0.75 interest, put it within this policy where the dividends are, you know, five to 6%. That's where they are now. And, you know, you can pull it out as a loan later if you wanted to, or you can just leave it sitting in there. You know, let's say your goal was to save for a down payment for a home. Uh, you know, well, when you get to, you know, how much ever you need within the policy, you can just pull out a loan and you can use it for your down payment. Now, there are uh, interest fees that you do have to pay when you take out a loan, but it's kind of a wash because when you take out a loan against the policy, it's what they call non-recognition. Some of the mm. policies are, not all. But what that means essentially is that they don't recognize that you pulled the money out. So think about that, how powerful that is, right? You're effectively being able to um, have your money work for you in two different places at the same time because you have it growing within the policy, earning a 5 to 6% dividend. And then you can take that money and use it as a down payment on your home and pay it back as you go, right? Or however you wanted to do it. Um, and there's also after a certain point within the whole life insurance policy years down the road where you could actually pull money out and not have to pay it back because of the dividends and the growth within the policy. It kind of like eats that up. And so you oh. don't need to pay that loan back, right? And so that's another really interesting strategy for folks who uh, are thinking about retirement plans and an alternative retirement plan like let's say, you know, 2008 hits and you're 60 years old and your 401k is worth nothing, you are about to retire. This whole life insurance policy, right, isn't tied to any of that. And let's say all these years you had been putting money in the whole life insurance policy. Now you can take money out at 60, you know, and from this policy. And, you know, you may or may not have to pay it back depending on, you know, how much you took out and, you know, all of that stuff. But, those are the kinds of things and reasons why I, I'm such a fan of whole life insurance policies. But you have to be very careful because this strategy is one that requires you to work with someone who understands what you're trying to achieve. Mm. So I highly recommend do not go out there. If anyone's listening, do not go out there and call just any old person, you know, life insurance person. <laughs> yeah. And say, Hey, I want to open up a whole life insurance policy. I heard this lady on a podcast, yeah. um, you know, definitely feel free to reach out to me and yes. I can put you in contact with someone who I get no, I, you know, not related to him at all in any way and affiliated with him. I, the only thing Just is he did him. start our policies. Yeah. yeah well, he yeah. did our policies. Oh, okay. So, yeah. and he structured it in this way and that's oh, nice. how I learned yeah. everything that I know. So, yeah. Yeah. And we're almost at the end, but I wanted you to just explain just in case people don't really understand a whole life insurance policy, especially when you're comparing them to bank accounts. Um, can you just in a nutshell explain what that looks like? Because they might just be thinking, you know, when you think about life insurance, you're just thinking, oh, life insurance, if someone dies, then there's money to pay off the house or pay for right. a funeral or whatever. So um, you're you're using this with a different strategy. And then you're also talking about leaving a legacy. So if you can kind of um, bring that to a close with how that looks, because I have a feeling there's probably people out there thinking, I don't understand what she's saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, so a whole life insurance policy is essentially, let's start here. There's two different kinds of life insurance that you can get. One is called term and the other one is called whole life. And term policies are just like what it says. It's for a period of time. So an insurance company will provide you with, uh, you know, a certain amount of death benefit. So in the event you die within the next 
you know, you can do it, you know, however long you want, depending on how old you are. So for example, if you're 40, you know, and you're worried about, you know, maybe passing away where you, while your children are young, you might get one that's a 20 year term. And so you pay an annual fee and, you know, your life insurance company will guarantee that they'll pay this death benefit in the event you die within the next 20 years. But once that 20 years comes, you didn't pass, that's it. So the money is gone. You've paid a premium for that every year for the last 20 years. And, um, you know, you don't get that money back. It's just, that's what, that's how it works, right? With a whole life insurance policy, you can, usually they are for life. So whole life, right? So meaning that, the policy is good until you pass away. So not for a term, it's good for your whole entire life. And you can set it up in all kinds of different ways, but you basically pay a policy premium just like you do with the term, except that it builds within the policy cash value that you can then tap to take a loan out of. So let's say every year, you know, you're paying $6,000 a year into this whole life insurance policy as a premium. And that $6,000 doesn't go away. That $6,000 actually goes and sits in what they call cash value within the policy. And so that's how we're using the monies that are in the life insurance policy to do whatever we want to do, invest or, you know, save or just, you know, an alternate banking strategy. And so it kind of becomes like a bank, so to speak, where you can put money into it. You're paying the policy premium, but you're building cash value at the same time. And so I know that that's kind of might be hard um, for folks to understand why and how and all of that good stuff. And I really am not um, the best person to explain it in in the best way, which is why if anyone wants more information, I highly recommend um, reaching out to me. I can put you in touch with the broker and he does an amazing job of explaining exactly how and why this all works um, the way that it does within a policy. Um, But essentially what it is, is when you pay the policy premium, you're building what they call cash value. And so we're just using that cash value as, you know, a bank. Yeah, no, that's really good. Um, Because yeah, some people might be thinking, okay, yes, I definitely need more uh, explaining on on all of this. So yeah, we'll put all that stuff in the show notes. Um, As we uh, end the... um, the interview, I wanted to ask you, um, so I know you talked about renting versus buying your own home. Um, what is your thoughts behind that um, with instead of just, you know, so you, there's one school of thought, right? You're renting, it's all just going to nowhere, right? But obviously you feel different about that, that you are like, no, I would rather rent because I'm going to lose money or um, I don't know what your thoughts are. So that, that's why I want to pick your brain on that and then we'll close after this. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, it goes back to the idea that you want to have your money out there working for you uh, and paying you every month, right? So when you buy a single family home, you are responsible for paying back that loan, right? And every month you have to pay into that. So let's say you pay, you put down, you know, $100,000 as your down payment into the home. And then every month you have to continue to pay that every month, right? No one else is going to pay. Well, not that I know. (laughs) No one else is going to pay your mortgage for you. Um, And so, you know, you are responsible to pay it. Uh, Whereas now let's say you took that $100,000 and you invested it uh, into something, could be anything, but let's say you invested it into uh, an apartment building, right? Every month, that investment is going to pay you every month, right? So every month you'll get a distribution. And so when you look at it from that, you know, um, standpoint and you say, okay, do I want to pay out every month 
or do I want to have money coming in every month? And so when you think about wealth building and growing your wealth, that's kind of a fundamental thing is you want to make sure that, you know, instead of putting out money every month, that you have as many different streams as possible for money coming into your bank account as opposed to out. And so, you know, this is obviously dependent on a number of things. It depends how long you plan to live in the home. It depends, you know, what market you live in. I mean, if we live in San Francisco, this totally would make sense. Yeah. Um, but if you live in another area across the U.S. where homes may not be as expensive, it, you know, may or may not. It just depends. Depends. But I think the important takeaway from that um, is really to think about how can I have my money out working for me so that it pays me every month instead of me having to pay it every month. And, you know, it's not like your money is disappearing. Uh, well, I mean, I guess that depends too. Mm-hmm. But if you put it into a single family home, um, you know, the hope is that in 30 years, there'd be all this equity in there, right? But let's say, you know, your quote retirement comes around and it's 2008 no value in your home, right? So, um, you know, potentially risky, right? And and that, again, depends on what market you're in, how hard was that market hit, if, if at all, you know, in the, in the event of a downturn, those kinds of things. So, I mean, I think um, that's really the big takeaway is how can I find other ways to have my money work for me instead of me having to put money to something? How can I invest that money and have it pay me every month? So, yeah. Sure. So let me let me just make sure I understand. So say you are living somewhere and your rent is $1,000 and someone has a $1,000 mortgage. Now, mm-hmm. in your mind, are you feeling like the person who has the house is losing their money because they had to put the down payment on it. Is that where the difference right. is? Because I'm trying to think right. if you both are paying out a thousand, where where is the savings that is happening? Yeah. So it's an opportunity cost, right? So yes. if you invest that hundred thousand dollars, that in what let's say for example in one of our deals, right? Mm-hmm. That investment is going to pay you six hundred and sixty-six dollars a month month, roughly. Okay. okay. Any, it could be anywhere from that on up. So okay. then now let's say your rent was a thousand dollars. Now your rent goes from a thousand dollars down to three hundred and mm. whatever, you know, three hundred sure. and change. Yeah. So versus the other one, you have the hundred thousand stuck in there, but you're still having to come out of your mm. pocket to pay that thousand dollars. Right. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. All right. That makes sense. Okay. I just wanted to make sure so that everybody else sure. understands. Um, so as we close, can you share with us too? I know that you and Annie have a course. Um, what does that look like for people if they're really interested in all of this and they want to learn more about the real estate investing? Um, uh, what what does that look like and what would people walk away knowing with that course? Sure. Yeah. So we, so basically when I got into investing in apartment buildings, right? So just like you mentioned earlier, you said, wow, this is you went from buying a single family home to then investing in apartment buildings. Like how did that transition happen? And, you know, there were no resources available to me, especially as a female. Um, It was very difficult for me uh, within the real estate world to try to understand what these apartment investments were really all about. And there were no resources. And so, you know, that was one of the things that when Annie and I partnered up, that we wanted to create a course to uh, help folks be able to understand these apartment investments and how to get into them safely, right? So like I said earlier, you don't want to just go out there and hand your money to 
somebody you don't really know and you don't want to not analyze markets and think about um, you know, how the deals are set up. You want to make sure you know all of that, but where do you start? Right. So this is really the course is really built for someone who knows that they want to invest um, and knows that they want to um, they want to invest in apartment buildings. And but they don't know where to start. Right. It's such a like you mentioned earlier, it's such a daunting thing to even mm-hmm. think about, like buying an apartment building. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Like, right. I don't even know where to start. So this course is really built for the person who doesn't know anything about, you know, much about buying apartment buildings. Maybe they've bought a single family home or two, and maybe they've done single family home investments, but they've never done apartment buildings. And so this course will literally hold you by the hand and take you from not knowing anything about apartments all the way through to the end where you would be, you know, confident analyzing a deal and understanding who the players are, how you would get paid things to look for, you know, what is a good deal? What's a good market? Those are all the questions I had. There was no resource. And so that's why we created this course was to be a resource for folks who want to get into apartment investing, but don't really know where to start. And when I say get into apartment investing, I mean, as a passive investor, not as an active. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. And you guys, if you're interested in, um, any of the stuff. I'm going to put everything in the show notes. You can also go to, I have a special link um, to their course. It's mominspiredshow.com forward slash real estate investing. And I will include all of Julie's information, her links in the show notes. So that way, if you do want to reach out to her so that she can connect you with her broker or just to chat with her, you guys can totally do that. Julie, I appreciate you coming on the show. And again, mind opened to new opportunities. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Hey, you guys, have you subscribed to the Mom Inspired Show email list yet? If you want to have discounts sent to your email and links to the books we discuss on the show, as well as all the guests' information, then you will want to subscribe. That way, every episode will show up in your inbox every Tuesday, and you won't have to go searching for the newest episode. It will be right at your fingertips. So just go to mominspiredshow.com and scroll down and enter your name and email, and you will be all set. See you next week.